The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. Hey, it's Rob and Kennedy. Hello, today on the Email Marketing Show, we're talking about 12 things that we do on stage that help us with our email marketing. Now, before we get into that, we've put together something really cool for you that we want to give you completely for free. You want to make more sales from your email marketing. We know that. That's why you're listening to this show or you're in the wrong place. But if you want to make more sales, you need to get more people clicking on the links in more of your emails. And that's why we've put together 12 really creative ways to get more clicks in every email that you send from the very next email that you send. In fact, you could do this within minutes of reading the report in this new download, given the game away now, it's a report called Click Tricks. It's yours totally free as a listener to this podcast. All you have to do is go to emailmarketingheroes.com forward slash tricks and you can download it there. He gets about 15 billion notifications a day on his new fancy Apple Watch. It's comedy hypnotist Robert Temple. And he's happily misjudged as being in his 20s when he's actually 38. It's psychological mind reader Kennedy. So we were having a production meeting the other day, you and I, working on your new uh, your new tour for your show, and you've got this new Apple Watch. You're like, wasn't oh, it lovely? It was. It looks lovely. But all these notifications going off, going ee and ooh, and every email, flipping text message, probably WhatsApp message, and I'm sure your Bebo account's hooked up to it as well. Like, do you not find it distracting? <laughs> so I haven't yet nailed how you, like, get which notifications come through to your watch. That's next on my list. I've uh, got I, just really, I've got, I know how you do it. You take the fucking watch off. <laughs> you don't need notifications on your arm as well as your phone. It actually goes a bit far. I was using it for my sat-nav yesterday, and it buzzes turn left, buzzes turn right. Buzz, uh, when I'm looking at it on the little, right? I'm looking at the little screen. Right and... I'm looking at the screen in the car, and the voice thing's going as well. And my watch is uh... buzzing every time. Like I'm always turning left because my left wrist's buzzing and pulling me left steering. <laughs> and they're pulling the steering wheel there. So, what is your what is your secret for a, a youthful? A youthful look. What is your what is your daily fountain of youth skincare routine? Do you know what it is? I, it's literally. I've asked. I've been asked this a load in my life. The honest answer is, don't use any skincare products on your face. It's just literally. Everybody puts lotions and potions on their face, and I'm like, don't put any of that shit on your face. And because your face, like your skin's supposed to be your skin. So, I mean, I am also very blessed. Like my dad had amazing skin his entire life. And I, I remember sitting with him and thinking, bloody hell, like you've got like just, just great skin. So I have, I have inherited good skin as well. Uh, so that's definitely part of it. So the first one is change your parents. And the second tip is I don't use anything on me face. I don't even watch the bloody thing. And, and with that, you only need three Botox sessions a week. That's all I have, just the three. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's Hello, we're a stage hypnotist and a comedy mind reader, psychological folk uh, who are absolute email marketing geeks. And we just love giving you course creators, coaches and membership site owners everything that you need to use psychology driven email marketing and be the email marketing hero of your business, which means you get to make more sales. You do it more predictably and you do it in less time with a brand new episode every email marketing Wednesday. Yes, indeed. Oh, he's on the He's on it now. Look at that. He's sort of Given weight to peer pressure. I've always loved email marketing Wednesday. I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> if you haven't already, make sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast player and leave us a review if you ca- if you kind of fancy. Uh, so, for example, just like Prona did from uh, Prona's in India, and they said every episode will leave you grinning and geared up to get the most out of the emails you send. I listen to this on my walks and have to race back home to take notes and implement. Prona, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you, everybody who's been leaving reviews. It really means a lot. It helps us reach more people because it gets the Apple uh, podcast algorithm excited. It means we get to show the show show (laughs) to more people and spread the word. So do head over to Apple Podcasts if you've not already. Leave us a review. Again, Prona, thank you so much for leaving that lovely lovely review now this is an interesting episode as you may or may not know we have mentioned it a couple of times already so where have you been but as you may or may not know um we are obviously from an entertainment background i'm a comedy hypnotist kennedy is a psychological mind reader or a mentalist darling that's right and that basically means that we spend a big chunk of our lives on stages using psychology to make people do things or to be able to perform stuff like to be able to entertain an audience and make it funny and interesting and engaging and stuff and one of the questions we were never going to talk about this but one of the questions we get asked quite a lot on like when we are being interviewed on podcasts and stuff is first of all how did you go from being a stage hypnotist to email marketers and maybe we should do an episode on that at some point however in the meantime uh you know what what do you what do you do from your careers on stage that also helps and impacts email marketing because it definitely does right we teach psychology driven email marketing we do psychology driven email marketing and so what do we actually do on stage that we can directly apply to the stuff that we do um in email marketing and we thought well in this episode let's make a big list of the stuff that we know and we're going to share it with you and talk about how to do it right Totally. So taking you behind the curtain, but like further behind the curtain than just our email marketing business, but our entire, you know, 15 to 18 year careers each, which is quite interesting. One of the first things that we all, we definitely have to do um, when you go to an event is often people who are at an event don't know how to behave. And I know that sounds really strange, but they don't know, oh, I can interact with that bit. Should I get up now? Should I stand up? Can I talk during it? There's a whole bunch of this, this element of how do I behave? What is, what's the sort of culture of this? The rules of engagement basically for this. And that means one of the first things we have to do as soon as you walk on stage is we have to train the audience in what, how this is going to be. And one of the ways that we both do this is our opening bit is usually like a bit of interactive, almost stand-up comedy type stuff, which lets them know, I'm going to talk to you. This is interactive and you can talk back if you want. And that's totally fine. So that's what we both want in our st- in our forms of entertainment. Some, some other entertainers don't like it when the audience talks to them. Like if you're a classical magician, the training you would do at that point would be that I'm going to perform. You're going to sit there, you're going to listen, you're going to enjoy. It's going to be amazing. So we're, we're training the audience. And in our email marketing, we have to train our audience. So we do that in every single thing from what's the frequency that you email. If you're training them that I'm going to email you every day, That's what they're going to expect. If you're training them that they can reply, because in your welcome sequence, in our getting to know you sequence, for example, we ask a question which gets them to reply. Oh, I can reply to these emails. Or there's a link in every email. And when I click that link, which I should do because I'm getting, I'm receiving links. When I click that link, I get rewarded. I get something that makes me feel good or helps me out in some way because it's valuable or it's showing me something that's going to help me out. So 
We're training our audiences and we're all doing that all the time. Even if right now you're thinking, I'm not training my audience, I've got some shocking news for you. And that is, you are. You're training some behaviors. And if you're not doing it consciously, then that means there's some of the behaviors which are serving you and serving your audience in a positive way. And some of the things you're training them in is serving them in a negative way. That's not serving them at all. It's taking them away from getting value from what you do and progressing with what it is that you help people with. So become more cognizant, become much more aware of what you're training your audience to do. Because at the end of the day, if we walk on stage and we and we train our audience to heckle and be awful and walk out and talk during it, that's what's going to happen. The next thing that we want to do is to create authority. So as entertainers, again, sometimes we're going on stage at an event to perform in front of a group of people who don't know who we are. Or, you know, even if you're in like a, doing a theater show like I do and selling tickets, there are still a lot of people buy tickets because they're interested in what the thing is. They don't necessarily know who I am or if I'm any good. And so the, the, what has to, ha- has to happen now is they have to believe that you are good. They have to believe that you can deliver the thing that's been promised. In our case, a two-hour hypnosis show or a 90-minute mind reading show. They have to believe that that's going to work and that they you know that I can hypnotize them that Kennedy can read their mind and so there's a bunch of different things that we can do to create authority first of all there is some natural authority created by the framing of the fact the thing is happening so the fact that they've spent money to go and buy a ticket to come and watch a show fundamentally inherently would suggest that there is something that's going to work so that's the first thing is how can you frame your stuff so that people just assume that it's going to be good like naturally that like it looks like it's going to be good this person set themselves up on the internet with a business and I can subscribe and when I subscribe the stuff works fundamentally that starts to create a sense of authority and then above and beyond that you want to be able to show people what you've done before show people what you could do for them and again we do this on in, in, in stages with you know before my upcoming show there's going to be lots of footage of clips of me hypnotizing people to prove that I can do it just fundamentally on a surface level so again you very quickly want to create authority and kind of proof and evidence that you can do the thing that you can do and that it's going to be worth their time uh, and also worth the next thing which is important too yes then the next thing which is their attention you need to have attention from your audience as someone who's sending emails and running a business but on stage if I've definitely in my early days before I'd figured this out I remember my biggest fear before every single gig was can I get their attention at the beginning because if you don't have their attention at the beginning of the show at the beginning of your relationship with your subscribers and your audience if you don't have their attention they're going to talk all the way through and the rest of it's going to be awful and it's going to get worse because when people start to talk a little bit the table near them they can't hear your show even if they wanted to hear it so they start to talk now and then it gets worse and multiplies and before you know it you're walking off to the sound of people chatting and asking the waitresses and the waiters for more drinks so you want to make sure you get attention how do you do it you make sure you first of all you show up with something that is attention grabbing and that is usually done in the world of email by giving people a promise when they first opt into the list and then immediately delivering upon that promise. Here's my name, which is the same name that you subscribe to. We see that mistake a lot. Who the hell's this email from? Oh, they're using a different name to on that webpage. That's a bit weird. And then in the subject line, here's the thing that you asked for. I've got your attention because of that familiarity of the expectation that you set. So Get people's attention. The subject line has to get attention. The beginning line, those opening lines of your emails have to get attention and keep that attention, right? And again, throughout a show, we're getting attention 
and we're keeping it. And we do that by being fast-paced. We do it by being interesting. As soon as you go boring, that's corporate voice, boring voice, uh, without any personality, immediately everyone's attention drops. Keep it pacey. Get to the point. Stop waffling on. Don't give me too many things to think about. Not too many offers in an email. Not too many points you're making in an email about the same offer. And only on stage, we have to give one instruction at a time. So when Rob's hypnotizing somebody, okay, sit down. Put your hands out in front of you. Turn your left hand palm up and your right hand palm down. He doesn't say, okay, I want everybody to come up on stage in a second and then sit down and put your hands out in front of you with your right hand palm up and your left hand palm down. No one's ever going to be able to do any of that. They probably won't even stand up because they'll be like, I don't know what I'm going to have to do when I get there. Instead, okay, everybody stand up. It's about being really clear in those instructions to keep attention. Yeah. The next thing we do want to do is be ourselves. Remember, this is our show. And that means, and this is a very, very contentious subject in the world of entertainment these days with cancel culture and everything else that's going on. But this is our show. And that means it's perfectly okay and perfectly acceptable to tell the jokes we want to tell, you know, within within the confines of what's, you know, acceptable and stuff. And if people don't like it, that's perfectly fine. They don't have to come. They don't have to buy tickets. It's your show. It's okay to polarize people. And I think if you don't make some attempt to make your stuff, uh, you know, disliked by some people, you're probably not, you probably haven't got a tight enough angle, really. You probably haven't got a tight enough thing going on yet. Um, and so that's one of the things you really want to do. There are loads of people, there are p- other people who teach email marketing, and there are loads of people who will not want to listen to us, but they'll happily go and listen to somebody else do uh teach email marketing some people will listen to this episode of this show and think crikey i don't want to learn from these two clowns <laughs> and that's yeah, perfectly yeah. fine you can go and, and they, learn they from can somebody piss else off and listen to somebody who's really boring can't you <laughs> exactly exactly i'll give you that. the number i know loads of them exactly that and so one of the things we're very conscious of is that you know even in the world of cancel culture and all this other stuff that's going on in entertainment we still want to be ourselves we still want to be able to do a show that's enjoyable for us we want to be able to tell the jokes we want to tell we want to be able to write the emails we want to send and if you buckle on that if you compromise on that you'll end up with a show or a business that you don't actually like yeah but what we've said this all the time like we would rather shut the business we'd rather not have a podcast not have the league than be safe and be boring and be corporate if we can't be ourselves and dick about like this with you and hang out with you now like this if we had to like make it all safe one would you be as interested in listening and i can tell you now we would not want to produce this show we just wouldn't want to do it we do this because you have to create the content that you want to consume right the same way that rob and i create the type of material the the amazing sketches and routines that we find interesting for various reasons right the next thing is you have to have surprise like if it's always just the same thing in a formulaic way it doesn't keep people engaged it doesn't people go in it doesn't make people go oh wow surprise creates an amazing emotional response Right. So if during my show, I have somebody think of something. So here's here's a typical example in a mind reading show. If I say, great, I want you to take out your phone and I want you to find any photo you've taken in your gallery and look at that photo. And then I start describing the photo. You know that by the end of that little routine, that piece, it'll be amazing. But you know, from the moment that I say, think, look at a photo 
on your phone. You've got a good idea that the mind reader is probably going to tell you what that photo is. There's no surprise there. The ending, the outcome is implicit in the setup. The outcome is implied in the setup. Whereas if at the end of the show, I'm then also able to tell you the photo you almost thought of. (gasps) Wow, amazing. And then I also predicted what you would be wearing, even though you were chosen at random because I threw a paper ball into the audience and you were chosen at random. Wow, another surprise. These additional surprises are the reasons that people get this change of state. It re-energizes them. It sets off lots of little different neurotransmitters in your brain and gets you re-engaged, but not just re-engaged, but hyper-engaged now. That's the reason that sometimes you'll get to a piece of content that you send somebody to and it'll be surprising. Maybe they'll be wearing a, if it's their style, a silly costume or be done in a, in a certain style. It's not what they expected. And that's why we often will use elements of surprise and funny, quirky analogies when we're writing our emails. So how can you use surprise for people? Hey, surprise, we've done this free thing for you. Or here's a thing you should buy, but it's free. Oh my God, I was going to buy it anyway. That's amazing. What a great surprise. People love surprises. The next one is telling stories. Now, obviously, this is something that we harp on about all of the time when we are talking about email marketing, but it's also a thing it comes from. It's rooted in the fact that we do this in our show. So for me as a hypnotist, when I'm you know, giving somebody a group of people a suggestion that they're going to do this funny thing, I have to really use story to paint the picture as to what that actually looks like. You've just gone on holiday. You've just got off the plane. It's scorching hot. I'm telling a story effectively around what they're doing. I'm walking them through the narrative of a story because that allows people to paint pictures in their brains. Again, the difference between, say, Kennedy and a really boring person who does the same demonstration of stuff is that Kennedy might do a thing where he's got a little bag with loads of different balls in it and one of them's a gold ball and everyone grabs a ball out. I'm actually describing a thing that he does. Everyone grabs a ball out and he can tell them by like judging them who's got the golden ball, right? Even though nobody in the audience knows, even though they can try and play along with it. In its own right, okay, clever, but like, is it interesting? Not particularly, but when you when you flip something on it and say you know my dad used to have this expression about oh isn't he mr golden balls and the the sort of the root of where this game came from is rooted in a story about something that's emotional and real and interesting and people if you even if you never met kennedy's dad you could still guess what he might have looked like all of these things come along with that and again if you can build the stories around the thing if you can build and it could be the story of how your thing was created it could be a story about how your thing's being used it could be a story about how your thing should never be used could be a, th- a story about why your business is more credible than some of the other people out there, like an us versus them thing. So we use stories in order to paint pictures, in order to get people to emotionally buy in to the thing you're about to demonstrate. And you want to be able to do the same thing when the thing you're about to demonstrate is teaching them something, showing them something, letting them see something in your business. The next one is setup and payoff really important thing in our careers that we set up a thing and then there's a payoff so i might say hey i want you to think of a playing card imagine we're in a casino again storytelling imagine we're going to a casino you're waiting for one card to come out of the deck for you to win the jackpot at the blackjack table um what think about what the playing card's going to be At that point, I have to, at some point, tell them the playing card they're thinking of. If I don't, 
And this has happened when I've forgotten to do the callback or I couldn't figure it out in the end because that sometimes happens in a mind-reading show. People come up to me afterwards and say, oh, you didn't tell that guy what which card he was thinking of or which city they were thinking of. And I go, oh, yeah, we just ran out of time. But people need the payoff. There's a thing in magicians, in magic shows, if you make something disappear, you have to make it reappear. Otherwise, it's an incomplete loop in people's minds. People want to know, well, where is it? Has it co- has, will it come back? Like, there needs to be a setup and a payoff. And this, in, in the world of email marketing, that means if you're going to tell somebody about something, it has to really deliver, right? If you're going to say, hey, I've got this free class, go and check it out, and then people get there and it's not exactly free then they haven't got the payoff, right? What is the setup and payoff? And what's really nice about a setup and payoff situation is people buy into the setup. You get to excite people, buy that setup. Oh, I'm going to do this thing. I've prepared this amazing training or I've, I've got this really great product. I've got this great service. And when they get there, do they get the payoff? The payoff might be, and this happened to me just yesterday. I saw a Facebook ad. And I got an email. In both cases, different companies, it wasn't a weird coincidence. Um, Both companies, I clicked the link to buy the... So one of them was like a men's soap bar. And I clicked the link and I got on the website and I could not find a bloody men's soap bar on their website. There was probably one somewhere. It's got probably some wacky name, but I couldn't find it. They'd done the setup, but they hadn't done the payoff. Is the payoff clear? It has to be a really clear payoff the next thing we do is that we build beliefs and we talked about this in the last episode so go and check that out but again we need to build beliefs as we go on stage that you know, again we can do these things that it's going to work that it's going to be enjoyable there are loads of beliefs that in my case other people can be hypnotized that you watching the show could be hypnotized and again we do this by demonstrating stuff by proving stuff by showing people things by giving them stories by uh, dropping hints and all that kind of stuff so again we need to build beliefs in our shows and we need to be- build beliefs in our marketing and again if you want to unpack that a little bit more go back and listen to last week's episode the next thing we want to talk about is how we read people and then not just read them to figure them out but then we adjust what we're doing and treat them differently so everybody is hypnotizable right everybody but rob will adjust how which kind of hypnotic induction the language patterns he uses and the various other stuff that has to go on for hypnosis to work depending on a whole bunch of factors that he's reading based on how quickly how quickly they come up on stage where they sit when they come on stage how they engage with rob when he's when he's when they're looking at him are they looking at rob are they looking at the audience are they looking at their feet are they looking around the room are they able to make eye contact with other people do they sit next to the other people who they know or do they sit away from them there's lots of decisions being made by people people in that moment which inform how rob that's the reading part is then able to treat the people differently similar for me i get somebody up on stage i'm having them think of a word maybe a a place they've been and i'm asking them a bunch of seemingly unrelated questions but i might be asking them you know what kind of holiday do you like to to go on or um or 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 what do you have any kids and and what all this sort of thing I'm actually not that interested in the answers. I'm interested in how they answer them. How quickly do they answer? How do they behave when they're answering? How do they stand on stage? Where are they trying to stand? What's their, how aggressive are they in their, in their responses? And how wild are their responses? Are they being truthful? All these kind of decisions, and there's more, as you can imagine, from doing this a long time to make it more reliable. 
I'm going to treat them differently. I'm going to use different techniques in order to figure out what they're thinking or to influence what they're thinking based on how they think. So, so I know somebody is a very um, shy person who doesn't like to talk very much. I'm going to use different influence skills to somebody who's a really brash person who's very closed. I can still influence them, but the way I'm going to do that is going to be either more direct or indirect. So in your email marketing, you're collecting, you should be collecting lots of data points about your subscribers. You're going to be figuring out what did they come in? How did they come into my world? What does that tell me about them? What do I know for sure that they definitely are interested in? What are they engaging with? What are they clicking on? What are they telling me when they're filling in my surveys? When they're, when they're clicking different links, what is that telling me? And then based on their behaviors, not based on what they say. Remember what people do and what people say? Very different things. We should trust what people do, not what people say, right? Always in life. So what are people doing? What are the behaviors you're able to observe about your subscribers and how are you going to treat them differently? If this person, if a subscriber always clicks to watch videos, guess what? When you want to sell something, make them an offer or tell them about something, send that person a video. If this person never clicks when you say, I've got this video, maybe they don't like watching videos. Maybe they work and they only check their email at work and they can't watch videos because of technology or because they're in an open plan office and they can't be listening to it or whatever. Or if they always engage with a certain topic, you know that that topic is important to them. So read the people, figure out the data points, and then adjust and treat them differently. We also want to find the most efficient ways to do everything that we're doing as well. So again, when I'm hypnotizing people on stage, I can't take an hour to get people hypnotized. It's got to happen fast. It's got to be interesting and engaging for an audience because otherwise they're going to switch off and they're going to stop paying attention. And most of the other things that we've talked about in this episode so far will all be wasted and lost. And same thing with Kennedy. If, you know, if he's not using the most efficient possible routes to get to the answer, then it's going to take too long and people are going to be bored. And so what we're always looking to do is to find interesting, and this only comes with experience of doing it, you're always looking to find interesting shortcuts and tricks and stuff that you can do just to speed up the process a little bit. Just to kind of like, you hear about things um, like, you know, growth hacking your email list and that kind of thing. What that is doing is that's looking for really efficient ways to get in front of an audience that already exists, to get more attention than you ordinarily would. I was listening to a really interesting interview the other day with the founder of BrewDog, the Scottish-based but now global beer company. And one of the interesting things they talked about is the fact that they, I mean, still being a billion-dollar-plus billion, billion dollar plus company, they still don't have the same sort of marketing budget as the huge, huge beer companies. But what they're able to do is to leverage controversy and story and, and interesting stuff in order to make the same dollar they spend go a lot further. So one of the really interesting things that they did in their business was they... Um, they registered a complaint about one of their own beers with like the body you go and complain to beers about. And it was in every newspaper and all over the media, all over the place, everywhere. Because <laughs> they basically, they were showing how easy it is to kind of like um, hack this complaint process by being able to complain about their own beer and cause a right stir. Now that cost them nothing other than somebody's time to go and do it, but it went really far in terms of that. So you're always looking for the most efficient ways to get attention, to get people on your list, to get people to go and click and look at stuff. And in, in much the same way, in much the same way, <laughs> I don't know how oh, really you intentionally <laughs> then. Oh, much the same way. Oh, in much the same way. Get down the pit. In much the same way, what we are looking to do uh, is... Uh, keep keep to, going, keep going. I want to see how long you can do Geordie for. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, is We are looking <laughs> to find the most efficient ways to get people hypnotized or to be able to pluck that thought from their mind. 
Eee, Bonnie lad. That's lovely, lovely. Uh, speaking of language, <laughs> and the, actually the final one of these things is to look at the language patterns that actually influence people. And there are so many we could do. I mean, we've got a full program called Remote Control Persuasion, which is all about that. Uh, but, uh, so, but, but the whole thing is, whenever you're communicating, whether it's typing the words or speaking the words, some words are definitely going to be more impactful and going to help you to get others to go to where you want them to go, and other words are going to stop them from doing that, going to make them go another way. So just start looking at your language. Am I helping people? Am I, I'm, is what I'm saying moving people towards what they want and being helpful? Or am I saying negative stuff? Am I making people go round in circles? This is one of those little things where everything you do and everything that you say in your, in your emails and your language and stuff has some influence one way or the other. And if you don't think it does, just talk to somebody, right? If you want to know how much, I was thinking about this the other day, if you want to know how much language impacts the way that we think, feel, believe and behave, just have a conversation to somebody and say the sentence. I mean, if you're really successful with your business one day and watch how defensively they jump to it and go, not not if, when, when I'm really successful. It's not if, it's when, it's a dead cert. If that doesn't show you how emotionally we buy into the words that people use, then nothing will. You want to make sure that you're using the language that nudge people in the right direction. And again, just changing those little words every now and then um, really does make a difference. So that's some things that we use and have been using on stage for the past 18 plus years each and how we apply that to our email marketing to give us a bit of an unfair advantage. And now you've got those little tricks of the trade as well. But before we go, I want to definitely share with you this week's Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. What have we got? So this week it's lowercase was $499.00. And then in brackets, now, and then the word free is in uppercase. So was $499 in brackets, now free. And this is a sort of a two-beat thing that you can always do, like a before and after. Was this, now this. Today this, tomorrow this. Another usage we've seen of this is, or used of this is, today it's $29, tomorrow it's $499. To, to very clearly tell the whole story in the subject line, but people still need to open it to click and buy it. It's like a closing, uh, you know, last day type email. So again, you can do anything. So it, it's funny, actually. Was 499 now free? This example is actually the opening email of a campaign. But we've also used as the closing email of a campaign. You know, now, 499, tomorrow, 2,999. So again, it's a two-beat subject line. Was this, now this, or today this, tomorrow this? That works really, really well for demonstrating, uh, telling the whole story in a short subject line. This is the thing you need to act now. I love it. That's this week's subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Of course, all the things and loads more that we couldn't really go into detail to uh, with today. All of the techniques that we've been sharing, that we've been using on stage for the past 18 plus years that we apply to our email marketing are used in the email campaigns that you have for you inside of the campaigns inside the league. They're already in there, right? So for all of you who are members of the league, awesome, definitely you'll start noticing now going, oh, that's what they're doing there. That's what we're doing there. And you'll know that we talk about those things on the monthly campaign workshops when we unpick each of those campaigns as well. If you're not a member of the league yet and you're thinking, heck, I want a bit more of that done for me so I can copy and paste them into my email system, then head over to theleaguemembership.com theleaguemembership.com check out all the details and we'll see you inside that's it for this week if you haven't already hit the subscribe button on your podcast player and we'll see you next week bye bye bye